no matter what situation you're in, you have to ask yourself the question, how can I slow down more in this case? Or how can I give more gratitude in this case? Or how can I take more responsibility in this case? Welcome to Design to Be Conversation, presented by Design to Be, and hosted by Design to Be founder and CEO, me, Rachel Weissman. Designed to Be is a community for designers to grow their emotional intelligence. In this show, I have conversations with design leaders about how investing in their EQ has impacted their design career. In today's episode, I speak with Chin and Juba Ezekwili, also known as the Ezek Twins. Chin and Juba are interdisciplinary designers, artists, and founders of Akanka a design studio on a mission to create heaven on earth. Akanka achieves this mission by partnering with other visionaries to design and build ventures and movements. These include Future Africa, Stand to End Rape, Hashtag Fix Politics, and the School of Politics, Policy, and Governance, also known as SPPG. At Akanka, they have worked with global brands that include Google, the World Economic Forum, Yale University, Duke University, Nexford University, GIZ, Open Society Foundation, and others. Chin holds a bachelor's degree in sociology from Boston University, while Chuba holds a bachelor's degree in economics from Claremont McKenna College and a master's degree in international and development economics from Yale University. We dive into how to apply the SX Twins' nature-inspired framework of intention in three simple steps. Slowing down to be present and get clarity. Giving gratitude for what's in front of you. And taking responsibility so you can make use of life lessons and blessings. Welcome, Chin and Chua, to the show. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. We're glad to be on. I thought it could be a great place to start before we dive into the framework itself. I'm curious for both of you, what intention means to you? Intention really is, I think the way I think about it is a, is a way to look into the future or it's a way to create a future that you want to see. And every single thing around us that exists is designed and created by intention, whether it's intention done in, the, in a good way or done in the not so good way. The earphones that you have on right now, is someone was intentional about designing that, Right. This call that we're on right now, you were intentional about putting it together. Intention really is about wanting something to exist and putting in the energy to make it possible and make it exist. That's the way I see intention. Beautiful way to put it. I was actually thinking this morning and I was thinking, how, how do you make the idea of expressing intention or what it means relatable to people? And I was thinking about, okay, put it in the Harry Potter term. So what I wrote was that the mind is the wand, it's your magic wand, and your focus and attention is the direction that, of the spell that you're casting, and intention is the spell. So that's what intention is. Intention is the spell. It's what makes things happen. When you cast that spell, things happen. It's really power. It's energy. It's, it's life. Yeah. 
So I'm curious from uh, what both of you are saying, how does that then show up in design and in the work that you're doing? Design requires attention. Let's just start from there. And one of the things that we say is that everything is designed and design is everything. But in order for you to design something in the first place, there has to be some form of attention. What is it that you're trying to design? What is it that you're trying to make happen? What is it that you're trying to create? What is it that you want to put into being? What is it that you want to give life to? And when you're intentional about what it is that you want to see, it it makes it so much easier to achieve it. And our mission is to create heaven and earth, to design heaven and earth. And what that means is, what does it look like to design a place that just, you know, that feels heavenly, that you're there, you're not, ha- you're not having to worry about anxiety or fear or, you know, everything else that just comes with not being in heaven, really. And what that means is then saying, if we're going to create this, we're going to have to be intentional about creating it. What does it look like to be intentional about creating it? It would require design. And it would require, and for you to really design, it would require having to put intention into practice. So that's where intention and the ability and our mission comes into place. Is that for us to create this mission, we have to be intentional about it. Yes, I, I think Shina has done such a fantastic job really putting that together and tying it back to our mission, really, which is at the core and as he said, at the heart of everything, really, you have to be intentional. For it to exist, you have to think about it. And once you're doing that process of thinking about it, right, you are engaging in putting together an intention for it. So it ties to anything that you're designing, whether you're designing policies or whether you're designing spaces, right, or whether you're designing a website or products, right, or chair, you have to have some form of intention. You have to think about what it is that you want to see, right, mm-hmm. and then you take the necessary steps towards making it happen. That's the connection that we see between uh, intention and design. Where my mind is going with this in a very specific way is when you kick off any kind of design project, for example, or really almost any project in in general, you're thinking through what's what's the goal. Even before we hopped on, before we let folks in, Chuba, you asked, so what is a successful recording? So that exactly, you are able to bring more intention. Like, how do we measure success? What does success look like? So then Mm -hmm. you can choose or anyone can choose then how to more accurately show up that aligns with that end state. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And it's it's why I asked that question, because one of the things that we do when designing is we ask ourselves, what is the vibe that we want to see? Right. It sounds so, it sounds so, whoosh, but it is actually how it happens because when you're designing anything, you're thinking about the experience for people and you want to establish what that vibe is because mm-hmm. you can easily get too focused on the objects that you're designing and then you lose track of the experience that you're designing for people. And mm-hmm. the experience, I think, is so key because that then helps, gives you a bit of flexibility. And then you figure out that you can go through several roads and several processes to get to that feeling. And as long Mm -hmm. as you have the feeling pegged down from the beginning, Mm -hmm. it's easier for you to then start designing at the start of it all. 
Completely. And for, for anyone that's slightly triggered by the word vibe in any way, um, <laughs> I'd say, I'd say uh, an, another way to think about this, where my mind started going is, and we've had him as a guest on this podcast, actually, Aaron Walters, who is the author of the book, Designing for Emotion. And a lot of times when thinking about what a, a vibe is, it's also what are the emotions that you're looking to evoke in the person who's experiencing whatever you're designing and whatever you're creating. I'm curious then uh, getting a bit more specific about the framework of intention itself. How did this come to be? How did you come up with it? What sparked it? I wa- I'm curious to hear the story. 2020, <laughs> uh, lockdown period in Nigeria, she had come down to, to Abuja and we decided that given that we had time on our hands, we we're going to take our concrete patio and transform it into a botanical garden. We spent that entire time just gardening and gardening. Every day we would wake up and just garden relentlessly. <laughs> I mean, this is how we were walking out. We we're walking out gardening. <laughs> you know, we were so in touch with nature so much. And during that process, that was how we we learned about the framework because we had always been creating all our lives. We'd spent it creating. And people would ask us, how are you guys able to do this? How are you guys just able to create? And we would tell them, we don't know. Like, we just, we just do it. <laughs> like, it just happens. But when we slowed down enough to actually design that garden, it showed us how we were creating. It showed us that we were following certain principles in order for us to get to a final destination. And that was very important. That's slowing down which is the first part of the framework, was very important in being able to see the framework. So it was actually gardening, just interacting deeply with nature that brought the framework to us. Yeah. I love plants. Really what nature can do to help evoke uh, presence. But yeah, I'm curious if you can break down each of the steps of the framework of intention. I'm happy to. So the first one is to slow down. That's the first step of the framework of intention. For you to be intentional about anything in life, you have to be present. You have to slow down enough to be clear about what you want to see. Now, how's that connected to gardening? If you've taken care of plants, you will find that you have to slow down to take care of them. You have to look and say, hey, hey, I think it's grown a little bit. Or I I think this is dying, you know, and I think this needs to be watered or I think this needs a bit more sunlight. You have to be present. You can't be watching TV and thinking like, I'm figuring out if a plant is alive. You have to do one. And we had over maybe 400 plants to take care of at the same time which meant we really had to be present. (laughs) So that's what was an important lesson for us from plants, which is you have to slow down to be present. I think another way that they showed us that lesson was that plants don't seem to move or go fast, but somehow you come back to them a few days later and they're taller, right? And you're like, whoa, when did you get this tall? (laughs) And, And that's how plants work. And they show you that they are always improving incrementally. You might not notice it, but they're always improving. And that was an important lesson, right? Because you also see that they they go at different paces. They're not all growing at the same pace. They grow at their own individual paces. And that's an important lesson for human beings to learn because we spend so much time 
focused on growing and trying to be like the other person. Mm. You know, and instead, if we realize that all we have to do is be consistent about our own path and that if we can be consistent about it, we're going to always improve. We might not notice it, but we will improve every single day. So that's what slowing down was for us. And that's how nature taught us about slowing down. So Chine, do you want to talk about uh, giving gratitude? Giving gratitude. Okay, let me just explain what giving gratitude entails and I'll sort of link you back to the garden. What giving gratitude does is that it allows you to actually see. A lot of times people, people are walking around life and, and the reality is that they're not truly seeing, you know, they're not seeing what it is that they have around them. They're not seeing what it is that they have in them. They're not seeing what they actually have. And that's a problem because when you're not seeing, it means that you're not able to make use of what it is that you've seen. It means that you're not able to actually advance anything further. But when you slow down enough to give gratitude, it means that it puts you in a mind frame where you're able to see that in every moment in life, there are lessons and there are blessings. It's very important. Once you slow down enough to actually ask yourself, what am I grateful for? You'll be able to see that there are things, numerous things to be grateful for in your life. And that's very important because those things that, that exist in your life to be grateful for is what exists in your life for you to create more. You use those things to create more. And once you can slow down to say, what am I grateful for? Or what's the lesson in this thing that has just happened to me? Even if it's a situation that's not pleasing. Once you can ask yourself, what's the lesson behind this situation? You find that you are actually, you leave, you leave that situation with a gift and that's very key and important. But then when dealing with plants, what that means is having to be present enough to actually be grateful for that plant because you find that people, you can have stuff and you can have plants, but if you don't slow down enough to be grateful for your plants, you're not going to be paying attention to it. (laughs) And if you don't pay attention to it, that plant is going to die. (laughs) So at the end of the day, gratitude is very key because it means that you are tuned into what is in front of you. And when we were putting together our garden, one of the things that we didn't have was buckets or some form of a container we could put the plants in. And a lot of time we're asking ourselves, how are we going to be able to get this together? We're going to have to have so many plants. We can't possibly afford to spend this amount of money on buckets. But I think you should also mention that, that it was a concrete patio. So ah, no yes. Soil. It's just concrete. Yeah, so no soil. It's pure concrete. So no soil, pure concrete. We want to, put, we want to turn this, this concrete patio into a botanical garden, into a, an urban jungle. <laughs> and we don't have any soil. So we're thinking about getting buckets to put them, to put the plants in them. And then we checked the price for, for the buckets and we're like, no, <laughs> we're like, no, this is going to cost a fortune. No. <laughs> so we were like, you know what? Life's, one way or the other, we're going to figure this out. And we're just taking a walk on our streets and it turned out that our, our neighbor had taken this interlocks. Interlocks are these things that are used for the grounds. And he had taken his interlocks, taken them out and thrown them on the streets. He had basically disposed of them because he was getting this new fancy ground that rich people like. <laughs> and so we saw the interlocks, just think of them as bricks. And then we said, okay, we can take this interlocks and we can turn them to the side. And if we cement them, they become beds. And that's what we did. And all of a sudden we, we had real actual containers to put soil in there. And from being able to put the, that soil, we're able to put plants. And that's how we got to having those plants. But in order for us to have seen those interlocks and thought of them as what we could use 
to make this happen. We had to slow down to give gratitude to them. We could have easily seen those interlocks as just waste. But by slowing down to say, this is more than just waste, this can be more. It allowed us really see the true potential of it. And in seeing that, it allowed us to fulfill our objective of actually creating a botanical garden. One question before we dive into the next part. The voice that I keep hearing in my head, and I'm completely sold on on this approach and cultivating more presence. But what about the person who's like, okay, hey, Chuba, hey, Chin, this sounds great, but I'm in back-to-back meetings all day. I have kids to take care of. I have meals to cook. I don't have time to slow down. I don't I don't like plants. <laughs> um, this really isn't my jam. What would you say to that person about slowing down and then thus giving gratitude? Two things. First of all, right, if your life is one where it's back to back to back to back to back, right, that's when it's actually very important for you to take out time and reflect and ask yourself, I need to look at my schedule. And I need to examine what are the things that I should be cutting down on. If I have an option, what can I reduce from my schedule, right? If I can't, what can I do to get into a life where I have more time for mm-hmm. myself, right? Uh, for my loved ones, right? And to do the things that I enjoy doing. That can sometimes come from a place of privilege that you can do that, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's important that when you find that your life is going full speed all the time, you're not even having time to catch your breath, literally, then you have to reflect and review on what you can do to have a life that is different. And you might have to make certain sacrifices to get to that life. But once you slow down, you will find that there's often a way to do that, right? But in terms of the context, you don't like plants. You don't, you don't have time to take care of them. What can you do, right? One of the things that we say is that just start with breathing, right? Because if you can tell yourself, how am I making sure that in this very moment I am present, I can just simply breathe, right? And once you can just take out this note, if you're too busy to have to take a minute out to breathe, then you have a very, then it's a serious problem. (laughs) that's, That's a serious problem. Right, but if you can take out a minute to breathe, if you can take out a minute to say, you know what, I'm going to take just a minute and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to be present in this very moment, you will find that you automatically feel better, right? If possible, what does it look like for you to start saying, can I, do I have five minutes to journal, to write down on my reflections in the very first thing in the morning, right? You will find that you have pockets of time here and there that you can use to slow down and to be present, right? And as long as you're intentional about it and finding those moments, they're going to be available to you. Yeah. So basically, if you're really in super busy, here's a slow down pack for people who are busy. (laughs) Just (laughs) just take a moment. And that moment might be when you're on the train or when you're on the bus or when you're... But just take that moment and just... Just take a moment to do that and you'll be amazed at how it resets your system. Just taking a moment to do that is enough for you to feel just a, a burst of energy in you. So that's how to slow down real quick if you don't have that much time. And journaling is also a great way too. just five minutes, just put it down. How am I feeling right now? And how do I want to feel in the future? Or 
what am I grateful for right now? You put it down, you know, and how can I take more responsibility? You put that down. That's the starter part. You want to be able to slow down, just start with that. And also, also get off social media. If you're really, really, truly super busy, <laughs> then you don't need to be on social media. Cut that off. We are going to take a short break to hear an exciting update from Design to Be. Design to Be is thrilled to bring back the Design to Be training with our Spring 22 cohort. With eight weeks of emotional intelligence training, community, and meditation, we provide you the tools, skills, and mindsets to increase your impact and find meaning in your work. If you're looking for a new job, you're starting a new role or project, or you're seeking a meaningful career, the Design to Be training is for you. Upon completing our program, you'll join our global alumni network who design the world's most used products and services. Some that you're familiar with include Bumble, Coursera, Dropbox, Google, Instacart, Pinterest, Uber, and Zendesk. We are fusing authentic community, inspirational speakers, and actionable techniques to uplevel your design career. Curious to learn more? Head to designtobe.com forward slash training to learn more and apply. Applications are now open and close on March 29th, but designers will be accepted on a rolling basis. So be sure to apply early to secure your spot. Now back to the show. You already alluded to the, the last part, but taking responsibility. So I'm eager for you to dive into that as well. So what taking responsibility does is that it allows you make use of the lessons and blessings that life leaves you. Because we mentioned that life actually leaves you with lessons and blessings in every moment that you're in. No matter how crazy it is, it does. And but the reality is, even if it leaves you with lessons and blessings, it, is, it requires responsibility to make use of them. It's like if someone gives you a gift, if you don't make use of that gift, it's useless. There's no meaning to it. If you're given a lesson, if you don't intentionally decide to learn that lesson, if you don't decide to practice really absorbing that lesson, it means that it's not learned. So at the end of the day, it's wasted. What taking responsibility does is that it allows you really and truly make use of these things that are basically gotten from life. But what it also means is, is slowing down enough to say, in every moment that I am in, what am I responsible for? And how can I make actions towards creating the future that I want to see? So what taking responsibility would look like in terms of creating that botanical garden was us saying, okay, these are bricks or these are interlocks. We're going to take them, stack them to the side, and then we'll, we'll bring some soil and then we'll garden every day. That's what taking responsibility looks like. We didn't just say, okay, we're going to have a botanical garden and then, and then wish for it. And then it happened. It didn't happen that way. We had to wake up every day and garden, 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 garden for that to, to take place, for us to get to what it is right now. So taking responsibility is what allows your intention be actualized. It's what really makes it material. It's what brings it into being. It's you actually deciding that you're now going to take your own energy and bring it into the equation. And that's what really kickstarts things. Once you do that, then things move further ahead in terms of the future that you want to see and create. Yeah. From a creative point of view, right? 
taking responsibility is how you get over the fear, right? And that's one thing that a lot of creatives deal with. Am I going to get this right? Is this going to look good? Is this going to be fine, right? And one of the <laughs> things that we say in terms of taking responsibility is just take the first step mm-hmm. and don't expect it to be perfect, right? Yeah. We, we have something called the ugly duckling stage. We say every, every <laughs> of our projects has an ugly duckling stage where you're looking at it and we're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what we do in that stage, right? We don't stop. And I think this is what people get wrong. People look at the ugly duckling and say, this isn't good. I'm going to scrap it and start again because I want something perfect right off the bat. But it doesn't work that way, Right you have to stay and stick with it and go back and say, what can I do to improve this? And how can I make this better? So with anything you're creating, right, just take a look at it, right, slow down, give gratitude for what's working, and then figure out how you can take responsibility for improving the aspects that are not working. And you will find that that's how the ugly duckling becomes the swan. And that's what taking responsibility is, just taking that incremental step towards improving anything that you're designing. So I'm curious if you can share a specific story from recently, maybe from your studio work or a design project where you were able to use the framework of intention to increase your creativity in some way. The one that comes to mind, and that's because we recently saw an old version of it as a brand identity we created for Future Africa. Future Africa is also a venture capital firm that we co-founded. And we were working on the brand for that, right? And we remember having to, first of all, start with slowing down and asking ourselves, what's the intention that we want for this brand, right? Because what it was, was it's a, we wanted it to be a venture capital firm unlike any other, one that really focused on founders who are solving difficult problems in Africa, Right. And especially this is happening. We were starting this at a time when it wasn't popular to be <laughs> venture capitalists in Africa. It's just like, why are you going to waste your money? <laughs> That's how people saw it. Right. And so we had to focus on backing these founders and we had to start with slowing down and saying, what is our intention? We want Seuss to be a brand that feels like it is about the founders. It is about improving the ecosystem, the technology ecosystem in Africa. How can we do that? And we had to slow down and go into our heritage. And I think a lot of symbols, Chine did a lot of research into the symbols, right? And the meanings behind the symbols, right? And then we had to put, bring them together. That's what it means to slow down, right? And then also give gratitude because a lot of times, right? What we found is a lot of designers, especially in, in Africa, tend to ignore a lot of the things from their heritage because we want to be a bit more Western or we want to be a bit more modern, right? And so we don't give gratitude for the things that we have, right? And for the things that are ours, right? And we have to go back and look at the things that are ours and say, how do we actually give gratitude for that, right? And then take responsibility for bringing it together. It was all a bunch of stages because I remember there was a point in time when the logo was completely different. It was something else entirely. And it took us a bit to say, this isn't right. The vibe that we're looking for isn't there. And we knew it because when you're designing according to the vibe, the feeling that you're looking for, you can see when what you have isn't there. Mm -hmm. And you just have to think about what you can do to 
take it from that step to the place where it's there. And that's exactly what we did. We just slowed mm-hmm. down enough and looked at it again and then figured it out. And then it became a sun. So what we designed was really a sunflower and the sun. And the sun really is what gives energy to everything on earth. And the idea was this is how we power the entire ecosystem by being the sun. Thank you so much. I had a conversation with someone else. Their episode will be released on the podcast in early 2022. And he shared a a similar story. He wrote an article called Designing My Blackness. And he shared a similar story around towing the line of learning in school everything about Swiss design, (laughs) and then also honoring his own heritage and showing up in that way. So it's really interesting to hear both of you two of, okay, now, now that I am slowing down, how can I be grateful and tap into everything that is around me, even though maybe it's not the exact thing that I learned in school, but it is something that is important to me, but also important to who I'm designing for and so on and so forth. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's so important. One of the things that we say, right, is that when you slow down, you slow down and you're present to hear the voice in your own head to listen to yourself. And listening to yourself is important because that's how you create something that's unique to you and not Mm -hmm. just another copy and paste of something else that everybody else is doing. And that's what school is for. School is to lay the foundation for you. But school isn't, you're not meant to follow everything according to the script, right? And Hmm. that's how it works. And we didn't go to design school. We've never been to a design school. (laughs) I'm an economist and he's a sociologist, right? But when you're able to bring what is unique to you to the table, you will find that that is how you create something that is truly yours and Mm -hmm. truly you and that all carries your energy. Each aspect of the framework of intention from presence to giving gratitude to there is undertones of a growth mindset in there as well. And taking responsibility, which is just really showing up and not backing down from situations that might spark fear. All of these relate to emotional intelligence in some way. So I'm curious from both of your perspectives, why it's important for designers to invest in their emotional intelligence. The act of designing requires interacting with an energy really to create an energy. It's a relationship. Think of it that way. And for every relationship, there has to be some form of emotional intelligence in that relationship. If you're not being emotionally intelligent about how you're Approaching the client, for example, how you're communicating with the client, it means that that project is going to fail. <laughs> you know, if you're not being emotionally intelligent about the context around the design, imagine designing something for women and then, you know, you're not emotionally intelligent enough to recognize that women face certain bias from society and that you have to account for how that will interfere with what you're designing. That It means that you're going to design a product that is not suitable for women. When it comes to design, design requires you to actually be able to slow down enough to see the other person or basically to have that empathy for who you're designing for, for who you're creating for. It's not about creating what you think is going to be great or what you think is going to be beautiful, but it's about creating something that is going to answer and solve the problem that you're designing for. 
But that really requires context. That really requires slowing down enough to emotionally connect with what it is that you're designing. And once you can slow down enough to actually say, see, I want to be able to understand this better. And then focus your design from a position of understanding as opposed to uh, from a position of of hubris and I can do this. And you know, it, it means that you're more likely to end up with a solution that is actually built out of understanding than just built out of pride. Ultimately, emotional intelligence starts with even, I think, understanding your own self. You want to understand yourself. We truly believe that the best work you can do comes from a place of understanding yourself and being yeah. in a great emotional space. There's conversations about artists and geniuses who had to be in this terrible emotional state to create what they created. <laughs> but I have a counterfactual, which is, yeah, but what if they were actually happy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the dope stuff that they have created, right? And, I, and we really truly believe that you can, people, when you come into the table with your A game, happy, inspired, right? Emotionally uplifted. You can work with yourself to create amazing stuff. You can work with other people to create amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. If you don't have emotional intelligence and you're fighting with your team, you're not going to create amazing stuff. It's just not going <laughs> to work, right? But if you come into that table and you all have emotional intelligence and can communicate effectively with yourselves and be expressive and learn from mistakes and take feedback, you're going to do marvelous and amazing things. If you could ask one thing of folks listening in relation to the framework of intention, so maybe one thing that they can get started immediately after they take out their headphones, what could it be? Ask yourself this question. What area of my life do I really feel like I need to be more intentional about? Lots of times we run away from that question. I I know that I run away from that question. And we come come up with the framework of intention, right? (laughs) You have to ask yourself that question. What part of my life do I want to be more intentional about? And what does that look like? And if you can ask yourself that question, right, then you can say to yourself, I'm going to slow down and figure out what that looks like. I'm going to give gratitude for what I have, who are the people around me, the resources that I have, and then what does it look like for me to take responsibility for moving that forward, right? So just ask yourself the question, what is one area of my life that I need to be more intentional about? I think once you can start with that question, then you will find the solution to it. And you will find that in a week time, in just a week, you're a lot better off because you started walking down that path. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Once you begin to ask yourself that question in that frame, what happens is that you, you really begin to start designing yourself intentionally. And that's key. Because once you're designing yourself intentionally, it means that it makes it easier for you to design everything else in life intentionally. Well, you can't give what you don't have. So that, that question allows you to start from yourself. So if there's really a question to be asked, is, is, it's what we tell people to do is that every day when you wake up, you stand in front of the mirror and then you look at yourself and you slow down and, and you, you ask yourself the question, how can I slow down more? How can I give more gratitude? What is there about, about me, about life, about everything that exists, about my life to be grateful for? And then listing those things, saying those things to self. How can I take responsibility to be better? How can I take responsibility to be who I want to be? And then listing those as well and deciding that 
you're going to take responsibility for working on them. So that's really the question. Is that you just have, have slow enough to ask yourself this, that, that question all the time. No matter what situation you're in, you have to ask yourself the question, how can I slow down more in this case? Or how can I give more gratitude in this case? Or how can I take more responsibility in this case? And once you're doing that with everything that you're doing, whether it come, when, it, when it comes to creating or, or to communications, once you're asking that question, you find that it just becomes easier for you to take the next step. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to be mindful of our time and shift gears to any questions that folks have. So I see that Rolake wrote in the chat, thank you for setting up this event. Uh, it's great to hear your approach to creativity. It can be easy to get carried away with ideas on a creative project. I'm curious, what do you do to stay focused on your initial intention? This is a very good question because <laughs> Chine, Chine used to struggle with staying focused, <laughs> staying focused on projects. And, uh, and what was what was helpful, right? Was was for one, I think uh, the first one of the things I said was it's okay to have new ideas as you're working on a project, right? You have to ask yourself this question: Does my idea move the project forward towards this intention that I have? Asking yourself that question is very important because it will help you decide if the answer is yes, then by all means, go ahead with that idea and move it forward and see how it moves your your project forward and your intention forward, right? If your answer is no, but you still think it's a valid idea that you want to explore, then write it down. Write it down. Like, and so it's the same way that you have products, right? Products have product maps. Create a map for yourself. You create a, your creative map. So you can say, I'm going to focus on this intention, on this, what I'm creating right now. I have this new idea, but I think I should do that next month after I'm done with this, right? So that that way you're focused on one idea at a time and you're focused on ensuring that you can cultivate that idea to the point where it grows because it's like plants. If you're trying to take care of multiple plants at once, but you only have five minutes to do that, what, they're going to die, right? <laughs> and you're not going to take care of any of them well. But if you say, I'm going to take care of one, and then once this is good to go, and I don't have to pay so much attention to it, I will take care of, for the, of the next one. You will find that just giving things the time, right, is going to be helpful for you. And that way you can get to the intention that you started with. Thank you so much. So from Santos, do you struggle with having a genius mind? <laughs> I, do not, I do not mean to come as, as haughty and I sincerely apologize in advance. My question is when you have a complex mind and have at least 10 good ideas and projects you hope to see come through in totally opposite industries in life, how do you slow down effectively when your mind will always find a way to pick something? My mind struggled with that. I struggled a lot with focusing. I sat down one day and I asked myself the question, okay, you're going to sit down and you're going to figure out what's going on with you. You're going to figure out what's going on up here. So I sat down and I just sat down and I just studied my mind. I studied what was going on. I was having a lot of ideas, brilliant ideas, but a lot of them were coming every second. And I was trying to execute each and every one of them that was coming at that same time. <laughs> yeah. And so because of that, I was getting distracted. I would put in micro amount of time to one and then micro amount of time to one and then micro amount of time to one. And in my mind, it was some form of progress because it was like, okay, do this, do it like this, do it like this, do it, do it, do it, do it. and then eventually it's going to build up. But the reality is that when you're sort of doing it that way, it's taking away time from actually just nurturing one and having it grow. So in terms of this question, 
when you have knowledge or you know or experience in, in certain multiple fields and you're trying to see how you can appropriately address them what always helps is prioritize start with the one that you actually have most experience in which one is most feasible? what can you get done as quick as possible what can you ship which one of them can you ensure you can take off and it's done and then take that one and focus hard on it and once that one is done you move on to the next one but Splitting your attention between all of them is really going to be difficult because what that means is that you're not going to be able to adequately give enough time to that plant. Think of that project or whatever as a plant and it's going to end up dying. So just focus on one and put that attention. The rest of them are still going to be fine. You'll still be able to get back to them and they will get done at the end of the day. The thing is just focus on one. <laughs> just focus. Yeah, that's that's the other thing that we say, right? So just so linking back to what you just said about that, it's just going to be fine. I think people have this fear that time is running out, time is running out. I have to do this now, 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 all of them now, now, now. And if you just slow down to understand that there will actually be time for you to execute on it, right? And that also one of the ways to execute on it is for you to also think about what intersections exist between these different projects, right? So that that way, if you can finish one project, what are the things that you've learned from that one project that accelerates a lot into in the next project that you want to do? Mm -hmm. So that that way you're not starting from scratch again, right? So how do you batch them up into themes, right? Where as you work on one, it helps you into the next one, right? So that buys you also a lot more time. But fundamentally, right, stop focusing so much on the, I need to get all of this done in this amount of time. I need to get this done well, one at a time, right? And you will find that you will actually complete them all one at a time, but not all all at once, because all at once, you're never going to do anything right. This will be our last question. So, Serbi, how to navigate ambiguity in projects? I think ambiguity is, first of all, is acceptance, right? So accepting that, hey, I might not know or have clarity as to where it is that I'm going with this project or where I want to be with this project. Because sometimes you don't start a project knowing or having a clear sense of intention. <laughs> and I'm guessing that's what that they, they mean by ambiguity in this case, right? But one thing that we found, <laughs> Chine and I have found in working on projects right, is if you're able to start with asking yourself what's working, it will help you figure out yeah. like what exactly it is that you, can, that you should be doing next. Just starting with what's working. So when you start with that and you say what's working in this project, right, it's helpful. The other thing is giving gratitude to people around you. So going out and asking questions, right? If you're working on the project, who are you working on the project for? What's the intention of the project? Is it for a customer? Then put it in front of them and say, hey, what do you think about this? <laughs> and just get feedback from customers. And that way you're going, to be, you're going to find that you have a path towards a lot more clarity. Yeah, actually said what was on my mind. We should just ask more questions. If it's ambiguous, then just ask, really just ask more questions. And once you're able to do that, you'll find answers. And that just really helps fill up that vacuum ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you both. Just talking about navigating ambiguity yesterday in the, in the design to be training. Uh, so a question is very timely. 
So we're going to shift to uh, wrapping things up, but I'm sure if you all have any other questions, definitely follow up with Chuba and Chine on, on Twitter. Where can folks find you to follow up? Twitter, Instagram, minus Chinezek, so it's C-H-I-N-E-E-Z-E-K-S. And mine is C-H-U-B-A-E-Z-E-K-S. So beautiful so if you have yeah. any other if you have any other questions uh definitely follow yeah. up with with them thank you both so much i feel so inspired in so many ways and have learned so much from uh, our conversation and i'm excited to share this broader with the design to be community yo thank you rachel this was, this was thank fun you, <laughs> i'll see you all soon have an amazing rest of your day live long and be intentional <laughs> <laughs> bye everyone that wraps up another episode of Design to Be Conversation. Thanks so much for listening. If you are curious for more ways to invest in your EQ, to be a more empowered, educated, and effective designer, head over to designtobe.com. That is D-E-S-I-G-N-T-O-B-E.com. You can take our design process EQ quiz or sign up for a newsletter to receive the latest design to be community building, live offerings, and self-inquiry guidance directly to your inbox. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you may listen. Be sure to share this podcast with a fellow designer who's interested in investing in their EQ. And again, thanks so much for listening.